The Dad Ass Podcast. Subpar, mediocre at best. Podcast just trying to figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. One drink and one conversation at a time. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast, the completely unscripted, unconventional podcast just trying to figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. Me, I'm Matt, just a dude sitting here in my basement ready to talk all things men's health. And with me, as always, is a man who's very healthy in uh, Sean, a.k.a. Dude, the resident family counselor. Sir, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling really, really pretty good, to be honest with you. So... Uh... We officially adopted the dog, um, and I got to be honest with you, um, I it's been a really nice change of pace. I've gotten out, you know, going on regular walks, all that sort of stuff. So that's been nice. Um, still not ready for perpetual gray in my life, um, even though that time is here. Um, so serious note, not even a joke. I'm really heavily considering... Um, getting um one of those happy lights this year because my office so i moved offices like uh i mean like literally right next door but um it's a better spot for me because it's a little more private and all that sort of stuff but the bummer is is that i lost the window Mm -hmm. and so i'm like i think i need that in my life so i think that is a healthy step i'm going to take for myself um this winter is buying a little happy light i like that um, I think this is appropriate for what we're talking about today when, when we're referring to, to men's health and things that we can do for our life. We are uh, midway through the month. There are two things that I've, one that, that I've done and one that I'm going to be doing in terms of trying to focus on my overall well-being. One is that I've been practicing now as I'm taking two breaks a day oh, yeah. during the work day. One is to stretch or get a, a resistance band and just kind of work out when I'm hitting that like late morning slump yeah. or that, that mid afternoon. The other that I'm trying to incorporate with that is then if I do that in the morning, then in the afternoon I'm stopping and like meditating Yeah, middle of the afternoon or vice versa. I, the one, Oh, go ahead. No, go keep going. The other thing that I want to be doing and I accidentally did it this morning is, um, I've had a little cough from a trip. So instead of waking up my wife all night, I came down and ended up sleeping on the couch um, upright. So I just felt like nothing was just seated right here. Well, anyway, because I get up so early to teach my spin classes, I have a light that just kind of turns on as a soft daylight. Oh, yeah. And I've been researching alarm clocks that wake you up with a natural light that slowly gets brighter. I have read about these as well. Why why should we literally wake up alarmed every morning in panic and then from that that moment forward be full of anxiety? And so I woke up that way this morning. I'm like, heck yeah, it's been open in my Chrome, on my laptop, and on my phone. I'm switching to a new alarm clock so I no longer wake up alarmed. I love this for you. This is yeah. good positive. So this is stuff. this is beyond what we're talking about today. But I, I just feel like as we progress through November and men's health, that I, I wanted to share those two pieces. Yeah, no, I think that's actually excellent. Only because like, you know, if you haven't been listening, we truly are trying to, you know, our release schedule, um, we're kind of like kicking it old school. We're going back to like once a week uh, or one one release a week versus every two. Um, and so 
you know, we're really focusing on health and men's health. And so we have two wonderful guests with us um, today. So who's with us, Matt? We are very lucky to have uh, Rose and Maddie with us. They are uh, family nurse practitioners. They are toddler moms here in central Ohio. They are the two amazing women in two NPs in a pod. And I recently found out as of like literally an hour before recording that Maddie is married to a fraternity brother of mine. So like that made me even more excited for how excited I was to record with both uh, Rose and Maddie today. So uh, welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Okay, well, this is fantastic. We you, you actually, oh, go ahead. You actually have someone recording with you from your house. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is just the working mom life. My husband is working in the ER right now down at Riverside. And so I have my two year old Rory, uh, my assistant with me, which he's been on many uh, Zoom calls <laughs> since he's a pandemic <laughs> baby. So Aww. tonight's, you know, no different. Um, here's my highlight Hi. of Rory so far is that A, he's a repeater, which was <laughs> real fun. And B, he wanted more cookies. And <laughs> I feel like Rory is like really calling to me as, as like Rory is me right now. I too also want <laughs> cookies. So, but those are probably not on the healthy lifestyle part of our discussion um today i probably should not go for the second helping of cookies is my guess that you're going to tell us yeah we we can't talk about c-o-o-k-i-e-s anymore um, <laughs> because he's had plenty already today i'm just a tired pregnant mom and sometimes i get a little weak and he has too many of those but we're gonna say no more for the night <laughs> everybody you know it's okay you know whatever you gotta do to get through sometimes survival mode yeah. and and you talked about uh, being pregnant and we were talking before we recorded we usually have a, a segment of every episode called drinks with dude and tonight because uh both of you are not able to drink we are drinking non-alcoholic beers today sean tell us about yours um so side note um we're both drinking the from the same place we're not sponsored by them although i would happily be interested in having a conversation athletic brewing company yeah yeah um, so i am drinking athletic brewing company's one in a melon mojito to start um it's part of their pilot program and then honestly i brought a second one because when they're not alcoholic who cares um and the other one was live love lavender um so yeah i i ordered a like mystery i don't remember like 24 pack maybe yeah. where i didn't get to pick they just sent you random things and they were like oh you might even get things that we like don't sell and so that's exactly what happened so yeah i had some other ones that were a little more like normal on the beer side um but these were just kind of like fun so what are you drinking i'm doing one right now called the upside dawn it's golden ale and it is delightful and um as i start training for a duathlon um, here in the new year, I still want to make sure that, that I'm having a beer because it just feels good at the end of the day. Like you take off the work clothes, you pour yourself yeah. a beer after dinner. It's a good way to decompress, leave work at work. And then to not take away from those, those, you know, fitness goals is to have a nice non-alcoholic beer 
that still tastes like a beer. So with that, uh, Rose, Maddie, we wanted to still hold true to what we do on the podcast, but also to make sure, because we know that deep down, you probably just want something very, very strong because we can only imagine (laughs) what you're going through as moms who are now expecting and working in healthcare now. I can only imagine what it is that you want. So hey, this feels like a cruel question to ask. And I hope <laughs> it doesn't feel cruel. But I am curious. Like if you were going, like if you could, like what would you what would you be drinking to like join us? Oh, I've been craving an Oktoberfest for a while. Okay. All right. I think that was around the time I started feeling better and realizing like, oh, I think I would love a beer. And so Oktoberfest sounds real nice. Okay. <laughs> if I had one, I would save one for you. Oh, thank oh, you. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, if we're talking about tonight specifically, if I would be drinking something, it's been a day. So I would probably honestly do like some bourbon on the rocks. Oh, well, mm. I tell you what. Provided we don't tank this conversation and you want to um, meet with us again, when you're done, you can come down and we can record all four of us together in person um, because I have approximately 180 different bottles of bourbon in Big mm. Easy um, and uh, we'll have a we'll have an in-person fun recording. That sounds incredible. And no in. kids. You can have a night off. Yeah, you can yeah. have a whole night off. I'm in. Fine. Your husband will take them. It's fine. He's apparently a sorority, uh, a sorority brother. <laughs> a sorority. Hey, fraternity, fraternity you can say brother. sorority. That's totally fine. He's a sorority brother. He's <laughs> my sorority <laughs> brother. He might be Matt's fraternity brother, but he's my sorority brother. So, <laughs> <laughs> so bo- both that. of you came with your best mom joke. Who who wants to go first? Um, I can go first. I don't know if this is the best one. This sounds like a lot of pressure, but um, (laughs) basically it goes. My boss asked me why I only get sick on work days. And I said, well, it must be my weekend immune system. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it was even like on point for our topic. That was good. Very good. Yes. Well done. That's preparation. That's funny. So, um, as I said, I have a friend who's helping me out with the dad slash mom joke department. Um, and she actually sent me another one since we've been talking and I kind of like that one better, um, if I have to pick one. So the joke is, you can share too. It's fine. Oh, okay. All right. Game on. First one is what do you call a short mother? What do you call a short mother? I don't know. I don't know. A minimum. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I like that one. Was that the one she just sent? Yes. You want the first one? Yeah. Let's, let's hear it. Okay. When do astronauts eat their lunch? When do astronauts eat their lunch? Uh, I don't know. I thought maybe, I thought maybe you'd get this one. Launch time. Oh man, I should have gotten that. Did you have it, Matt? Did that's you know? I did. Oh. You should have said it. No, that's no he's a nice department. one. That's I, oh, I will oh, not do he's, that. That's his thing. Got it. Yeah. I, yep. I'm disappointed those, those, in myself right those now. Those are classic. And and here's the thing. 
not, not only is it a great icebreaker question into deeper discussions, everyone relates to a really bad parent joke. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we, we have them. We have them. And for some reason, I don't know if this was just built into my DNA. It's like the moment I was like gifted with Heather going, guess what? Look, we're going to have a little one. I just like, I think the first thing out of my mouth was a pun. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it's just built into the DNA of parenting. Um, I don't think it's just dads. I even was in a meeting today, a board meeting with a group that I sit on their board, and I was dropping puns. And then finally, I was like, I, I'm gonna get punished if I keep dropping more puns. I gotta stop. And then people were like, God, oh, you're, God. you're just, that was yeah, bad. yeah. They laughed. I kept going. So. With that, we're not we're not here for for my puns or um, bad mom <laughs> or dad jokes, although we could discuss that and other topics all all day. Mm-hmm. You two, uh, with your background as family nurse practitioners, let alone moms, have five ways that men can take charge of their health. And let's face it, you know we all could be living healthier. In yeah. 2023, but I think mm-hmm. it takes a lot in topic uh, on the topic of men for for men to really uh, open their hearts and their minds that we don't have it all together, and there are a lot of things we need to do to keep ourselves happy, healthy, and mentally strong. So, um, uh, with with that being said, you came with five ways we can do it. Tell us the first way, and I'm taking copious amount of notes so I can do this right. Awesome. Um, I'll go ahead and start. So the first kind of topic we have is preventative screenings um, and staying up to date on those. So working in primary care, you know, this is this is our goal, right? Family medicine, we want you to come in for your annual physical, your yearly kind of visit. You know, this is 100% paid for by your insurance. Um, and then we do, you know, screenings kind of with that. Um, unfortunately I feel like I have seen, I can kind of speak to this because I think I see more Rose, you know, sees a lot of acute visits now that she's doing, um, she's doing like filling in and all of that, but, um, I'm seeing my patients kind of on a recurrent basis, but I feel like since COVID started, a lot of patients are coming in only when they need something and, Um, you know, we're here for that. We're there to see you if you're sick or if you, you know, strain a muscle, so on and so forth. But we still want to make sure we're getting in those annual wellness visits, those physicals. Um, So we have been like in my office and our, our healthcare system has really been pushing for that. So again, annual physical, some of the screenings that we'll kind of just mention here, um, Specifically for men um, is a PSA lab, which stands for prostate screening antigen. And this is a lab that we kind of look at um, every couple of years. Um, The frequency will change based on your risks, your risk factors. Um, But again, it's a screening lab that we look at for prostate test. It is. It's a blood test. Mm -hmm. It's drawn with other routine labs. Um, So yeah, easy, easy thing to check. Something um, in addition to labs, I guess I'll stay on that topic. Um, lipid panel is again kind of looking at triglycerides, cholesterol, 
Um, we really look at those for, you know, overall heart health risks for potentially developing um, cardiovascular disease down the road. So that's a really, really important one um, to get checked routinely. And that is always checked fasting, which means nothing to eat or drink, you know, for X amount of period before that. So um, again, a routine check on that. In addition to that, um, hemoglobin A1C is another blood test uh, we would routinely do. This is um, kind of our screening test and how we monitor diabetes. So again, if you're at risk based on your other health problems, your age, um, personal history, family history, you know, we would look at that too. Um, I think that covers the big ones for labs. Um, but like, I, I think I'll reiterate again on the, on the PSA, the prostate one specifically, prostate cancer is one of the more common cancers. And uh, also I feel like, I mean, a, a lot of cancers, I guess, patients are asymptomatic. Um, but I feel like prostate cancer really sneaks up on people. The good thing is prostate cancer is also one of the easiest to manage slash treat. Um, now, is, is that something that during like our annual physicals, I'm, I'm someone who, because of a big um, turning point, uh, my brother passed away in his sleep of a heart attack. Oh, um, I'm 10 years younger than him. And that was kind of my eye-opening experience. I'm, sure. I, I was like 26. So I was like, wow, I'm not indestructible. I should probably drink less. I was single, not married or anything. So I was like, I should probably change my life. And ever since then, I've done an annual physical. Is that one um, that is in that whole gambit of, of lab work done with an annual physical? The PSA, yes, Most it of the is. time or all mm -hmm. the time? It's not um, necessarily annual. I think the current recommendation for most men is every two years. Am I correct on that, Rose? Uh, that's one of those labs that's pretty individualized. So for you, Matt, um, as well, unless you had a family history of prostate cancer, I don't know if at the age of 26, they would have included like a PSA in your screening. That might be something that you would have to ask for because usually it's a discussion starting around the age mm -hmm. of 40, unless there's an outright risk. Just just an hour before us recording, someone I'm friends with on, on Facebook and, and went to school with announced that he... Um, has that so like it's just mm -hmm. real real um yeah to think about how we can easily just and boom hey guess what and sean you could probably speak a lot better to that than i can so that's certainly one that we could add to a list if we're not getting that already mm -hmm. to to easily ask for yes yeah yeah i should have prefaced um this with you know so a lot of these are dependent on your risk factors and again your age so um, like Rose said, usually we start at age 40. Um, and I think the standard is every two years, unless your risks, you have additional risk factors. Um, like for my patients, if their PSA is kind of in an in-between range or mildly elevated, we'll, we'll check it more frequently than that um, or get a urologist recommendation, um, again, depending on the patient. Well, so... You know um, the thing I was going to say is, too, outside of 
like the lab work and all the, the that sort of stuff. I think the important thing that going to get a yearly physical checkup like that does is it provides like a platform for conversation. So like exactly. you're with like your primary care provider, um, and I personally <laughs> actually see uh, a nurse practitioner. Um, I just really like her. I like the care that she provides. Um, but it, it it affords you the opportunity to be like, hey, you know, like this thing has maybe like it happened or what? Like it's just a platform for conversation where like you maybe didn't think it was a big deal, and maybe it isn't a big deal, or you know, maybe it is, and you don't realize it, and those sorts of things. Um, that I think often we, I think men are probably, I don't have any data that backs this up other than like personal experience, which um, later on I'm seeing in the list of things we're going to talk about. I'll gladly chime in, but like, I think men probably are really terrible about like blowing stuff off. And then they're like, you know, Oh man, I probably should have talked about this a while ago or, or whatever. And so I think, just having that sort of relationship and that opportunity just to say, Hey, these are some things that are going on with my health, even outside mm-hmm. of the the tests and all that stuff. I think that's a valuable right. piece there. To, to kind of add to that, you know, part of a, a routine physical is, you know, we say physical, but it's not just a physical exam, right? It's also a full review of systems, so to speak. So kind of to what you were just saying, where we're going through just even different body systems or, you know, for example, I feel like a lot of times, you know, we talk about any GI symptoms and that's where a lot of people are like, well, you know, sometimes I, you know, have irregular bowel movements or I have trouble in that department. Right. And, and it is a lot of times people don't really think about things until they're being directly asked about them. Yeah. So I think to go through specifically and, you know, a lot of providers um, will do kind of a review of systems with a physical exam, right? As they're examining you, asking you questions about, uh, you know, this and that and kind of fitting it all together. But yes, sometimes stuff like that does not come up. You don't think about it. And a lot of times, like you just said, it's been a problem for years. I've just brushed it under the rug. But now that you're bringing it up, I'm like, oh, should I be concerned about this? Or right. should I look into this a little bit further? What, one of the things that I've taken note of growing up, and I don't know if I'm in the minority, majority, or where I'm at. I'm just glad that I'm at where I'm at, is that I realized that there were a lot of different heart problems on my side of the family, um, on, on a certain side of my family, and then was aware of other things on another side of the family that I started asking questions when I probably didn't need to. So for me, I knew kind of where I was at family situation wise, but then in going to my annual physicals and knowing kind of those risks and everything, I play, I got competitive with my numbers. to see if I could put the work in to get numbers down yeah, or get numbers back up. I don't know if that's right, but it's kind of like I knew where my risks were. I saw where the doc was like, all right, you're good here. You're still Uh healthy here with your numbers. But if it goes up a little more, I was just like, no, no, no. I know where I need to be because you told me. So now I'm going to like compete with myself. Mm-hmm. Which then, of course, then I celebrate with like getting like a big steak or like having too much bourbon, and then <laughs> it probably doesn't like do right with the numbers. But it's like 
I became aware of what those risks were on both sides yeah. of the family. And, and I'm glad that I learned that at an earlier age so that I could at least either get rid of any risk or at least prolong a risk compared to where I could be if I wasn't asking those questions or getting that information. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, family history, um, I think we'll maybe mention a little bit later too, but um, it is a benefit for sure to know your family history. We definitely see a lot of patients that don't know their family history, you know, for a variety of reasons. A lot of people just never ask (laughs) or just, you know, are not really in tune with that part, you know, that part of their family's history, I guess. Um, so it is really nice when, when patients do know, you know, any risk factors, you know, whatsoever, um, especially of course, like you said, heart disease, diabetes, um, cancers, you know, are the big ones we really like to take note of, um, especially specific cancers, of course, can definitely have a genetic component. So, um, so yeah, that's great that you kind of took that initiative, you know, to specifically say, here's where my history is, you know, specific family members, you know, you're like the ideal patient in that way. We love it when people come in with that info and we're like, okay, I'm putting this in your chart. You know, it's a part of your chart now and a part of like your medical history. Like this is key information. Can I tell you what else I do? And then I'll stop and let you go back to your your list. Please do. So I teach spin uh, three days a week. At a, at a gym here in town. And I've done it for almost nine years now. That's actually how Sean and I met. It was actually his wife oh, came. Cool. She had a crush on me when they were like engaged. And then she brought him. <laughs> Once and again, we've been this friends is ever not since. how I remember that it's, entire story happening. Something but. like that. I change, I change <laughs> that story. Rose, I'm just joking. Um, but um, I have been able to have very low resting heart rate. And there've been times where it was like they had to do it a second or third time. Um, And now I have a three-year-old at home and I'm stressed with work. So now it's like back up to like (laughs) the sixties, but I actively work on mindfulness and breathing and other things before my physical, just to see if I can break the sixties and get my resting heart rate down. At one point, my lowest check-in, I came in like at a 45 or 46 and she looked at me. And I was like, what's wrong? And and then she was like, you're dead or something. I don't remember what she said. Yeah, well, if you really want to cheat the system here, all you got to do is just hold your breath and bear down like you're going to poop. And it'll, it, you get the, the vagal nerve no, that's right down. It- <laughs> that's, that's cheating. Che- that's yes, cheating. I would agree. That is cheating. And also, nobody wants you to pass out in their office. So I don't care if he not. passes out. Why, why'd you pass <laughs> out? I was trying to have a lower lower heart rate. Actually, I hope you do pass out. So you have to admit the embarrassing thing that you were doing. Like I was trying to get my heart rate to 30. Like, no, I'm just breathing regular. Like I'm not going in there. Like I'm going to hold my breath. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. Sorry, Maddie Rose. I'm taking you off point. What, what? Oh, you're fine. All right. this is good. What, this is good. What, what's our next point? What do men need to know about their health? Okay. Sure. Oh yeah, go ahead. I, the only other thing is that we had on the screening part, we'll just like touch base on them. If you want to make note, um, is the colorectal cancer screening, of course, which is like a colonoscopy or the colaguard screening. Again, this is going to start later in life. Not, you know, you guys, you would not be eligible for that yet. 
um, unless you had a family history. Yep. Um, it's not that bad, just so we're all clear on that. Everyone who freaks out about it, it's really not that terrible of an experience. The colonoscopy? Yes. There, the worst, there are worse things. The worst I've done one as drinking well. Drinking the nasty, like, yes. yeah, it was, that's gross. I'm not going to lie. Although, it is. someone gave me a pro tip and I mixed it with, um, what was it? Oh, it was like a, a cucumber Gatorade. It had mm. kind of, like a, it was, and actually, I was like, I don't, I'm not going to choose this, but I don't hate the experience. Right <laughs> the, I think they're doing Gatorade, mixing with Gatorade a lot more now from what yeah. I have gathered. So, yeah. so I think it, that truly is any men, like, any men who are freaked out about it, it's not that bad. You, you don't even remember any, like the day of, like you don't I, remember. I'd actually day. prefer to get one now, even not at the age to get one. Just because I've heard from too many people who went and then found out that they had something going on. Yeah. And, and what, so with, with that being said, what is like that good time to go? Like, I, I would just, I mean, I'm not happy to go into the doctor's office and be like, hey, guess what I would like to ask you to do <laughs> or set me up for it. But <laughs> I'd rather go just like when I went through the full gauntlet of tests on my heart. Yeah. I did it because what had happened with my family sure. and with my brother. And, and that makes sense. Be you know, again, because of the family history, you know, if you had come into one of our offices, we would have taken that very seriously too. And, you know, um, done, a, done a full cardiac workup, sent you to cardiology, all of that, um, you know, especially with, you know, the circumstances. Um to request a colonoscopy like before you're like due based on your age. Um, I have had this conversation with a patient before and I, you know, ultimately it comes down to what you want to pay <laughs> Yeah. because I mean, I can order you a colonoscopy. I can send you to general surgery to get that done. Um, but it, it won't be a screening order. Um, and insurance will not cover it unless we have documentation to show that that is warranted for you. Um, so again, you know, family history, if you had some sort of family history, you know, it does bump up the recommendation. I, I can't say for sure, like the breakdown of the ages again, I think it just really depends, but, um, but yeah, that's kind of the issue, right? I mean, a colonoscopy out of pocket. Oh, I I can't. I mean, you're looking at what a couple grand. I would think a couple grand. Yeah, yeah, oh, easy. at least I would think I would, easy. I, mine, yeah, because mine it's was not covered. Just a, yeah, covered. It, it was a screening, right? Or yeah, you mine had a reason was, to get it done. Mine was covered because of family history. Uh, personal previous history of cancer that had metastasized sure. at another point like there were some you know uh, there yes. were some symptoms and things so like it was it was all sort of covered and stuff like that um, okay but yeah sure. i can't even imagine what an out-of-pocket would be honestly couple grand it seems cheap i'll bet you i bet yeah. you it'd, it'd be every bit of five yeah we're talking minimum and i guess some of it would probably depend on your insurance too That's or my heart. everything for my heart all said and done after like three rounds of tests, blood work, me with the cardiologist going in and doing the echogram. I think I was around there. Yeah. Sure. Sure. But yeah. money well spent the same. Yeah. I, you know what? We're not made of money over here, but man, 
after I saw that and he's like, yeah, I don't think I need to see you at least for five years. And I was like, done. Yeah, done. that's worth every bit of it. So what, what's the second point? I'm, I'm, I'm getting really excited. I'm, I'm making notes of, of what I should <laughs> be looking at here. Uh, yeah. I already know that June is the next time I need to go in for a physical. So I'm already making a note because I don't think I've ever had the PSA. Um, so this is, this is exciting. What, what, what's, what's the second point you came packed with? So the second point, and it sounds like you are already well educated in this, is to know your risk. So when you go in to see your provider, um, knowing your family history, and what we wanted to specifically talk about is the BRCA gene, which we often think of with breast cancer. Um, So women who experience breast cancer can sometimes be positive for this uh, specific gene abnormality, either BRCA1 or BRCA2. In reality, it can also increase your risk for prostate, colon, and pancreatic cancer. I did not know that. Yeah, fun fact. Welcome. I'm glad you tuned into the podcast tonight. (laughs) Um, And so so regarding uh, prostate cancer, um, if you have a close family history of breast cancer, either in a mother, a sister, or a maternal or paternal grandmother, um, or, you know, a male relative as well, uh, we'd recommend getting screened for that BRCA gene to see if you have either the one BRCA1 or 2 abnormality. And if you would be positive for BRCA2, you actually have a 20 to 40% higher risk for prostate cancer. And so that's when we would rec- definitely recommend screening that PSA a lot sooner than had you not had that um, that gene abnormality. Um uh, oh, and also ovarian cancer. That can that risk can be increased with the BRCA, which uh, I don't does, don't think affect either of you gentlemen. Um, another thing regarding the BRCA gene is colorectal cancer. Um, the evidence is a little bit mixed on this, uh, but if you are positive for the BRCA gene, either one or two, there's some evidence saying that you're at increased risk of developing colorectal cancer at a younger age. Um, and so that is another instance where we would recommend colorectal cancer screening uh, prior to the age of 45 for the general population. So we want men to be empowered to ask these questions for their family. I know sometimes families can be hush-hush about who is um, you know, suffering from what or who passed away from what, but it is in everyone's benefit to be honest and open. Know your family history of cancer as well as cardiovascular disease, diabetes, um, or even something as simple as hypertension because that automatically places you at um, an increased risk and you just have to work a little bit harder than the general population to make sure you stay well. So interestingly enough, when it wasn't anything that was like my family was like hush hush about it. It was like, Oh, like I knew my aunt had breast cancer and like my mom's mom had, I think it was colorectal cancer and like all that stuff. But I had never really like one told a healthcare provider about it or two really actually sat down and looked at it until I got cancer myself. And then they, then they're like all in your business. They like, they want to know everything. Um, and that I remember like sitting down with my, like, I literally had to sit down with my parents because these were, there were questions of like relatives and extended and all these things. And I was like, I don't even know. And then the more co- questions I asked, the more it was like, oh yeah. Like my, you know, mom or dad's going to be like, oh yeah, so-and-so or, you know, like, and it turned out that I actually had uh, more like risk factors or, or more people connected 
you know, in my family through different cancers, they weren't all the same or anything. Um, and nor I, I, I don't, I can't remember if, if testicular cancer has a genetic component. I don't believe so off the top of my head, but I don't quote me on that. I can't remember, but, um, but it was still even having people in your family who have had other types of cancer, put you at a higher risk and all those sorts of things. And it was one of those things where it was like, once I mapped it all out, I was like, wow, like this was like a lot. But there was also something that was empowering about like talking to my family about all of these sorts of things and like knowing what I was sort of coming in with. I don't know if you felt like that, Matt, when you like started to like look into like your family history of of different things like that. But for me, it was a little bit of an empowering experience or eye opening at minimum, I guess. I don't know. Heart, heart disease on one side and strokes on the other. Oh, were the two things and and it i was aware of them but the the day that that the day after my brother passed i was just like hell no uh, i'm i'm gonna do every possible thing i right right or wrong i was like every meal i have is gonna have some kind of vegetable and protein I'm gonna have a fruit at a snack like i just switched every component of my diet what I consumed, how I worked out. I was like, I'm done doing weights to get size. I'm looking at how I affect my heart. So like, and and I'm not a doctor or, or a personal trainer. I'm just a spin instructor, but I, everything changed that, that day where I was just like, I know the two things that I could possibly have. And I refuse to accept either. It's not to say it's going to, you know, could still happen, but I'm going to prolong the effects as, yeah, as long as I can do everything you can to try for it not to be a reality. Yeah. And we appreciate you both, you know, taking responsibility and accountability for working on the risk factors that you can change. All right. So, uh, what's number three. Um, so number three is basically just speaking up. We kind of touched on this one as well. Um, but if you see something or feel something that you're concerned about or that you're like, hey, this isn't normal, that you speak up and say something, right? Yes. You tell your provider. Please. Yep. Tell your provider um, about it um, before. You know, it's it's never wrong to say something early, even if you think, oh, this is dumb, right? It's just an enlarged lymph node that's been there for two months. Um, or it's this lump, you know, in my arm that has been there and it's kind of growing in size, but it's not painful. So it's not a big deal. Right. Those are things I feel like we see a lot and, you know, a lot of times it does turn out to be nothing, but sometimes it is, and there's no way to know for sure, unless you get it checked out. So I'm always telling my patients when they come in and they, they start with like, oh, this is probably stupid or I'm probably being paranoid. You know, it's never, ever wrong to see a, a provider about a concern, even if nothing's like physically there and you're just like, you know, I'm feeling this way or I have this symptom and it's concerning me. You, I mean, as a patient, you know your body better than anyone else. That's another line I tell my patients all the time. So we as providers rely on you to tell us if something isn't right. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's huge. That's a really um, important point. Um, I like, I, again, we, we kind of hit on that earlier, but that's the biggest thing. And 
I think one of you mentioned, I think Sean, that guys maybe tend to brush things off more. Um, I think it's actually interesting. I, I see both ends of the spectrum oh, okay. um, with, with guys. Um, I feel like I have been seeing like over the years more, and maybe this is because we're as a society getting better about preventative health, but I feel like there are more younger guys coming in like, Hey, this probably isn't a big deal, but I wanted to see you for this. That's kind encouraging of like, here. Kind of like either one of you. I, I feel like I, I see that more in the younger generations, like our generation. And so again, I don't know if it's people trying to err on the side of caution because of their family history, or you know, like I said, we're maybe finally being better about preventative stuff. But um, again, not to like throw generalities because I feel like it's kind of all over the place, but I will say that, I, I mean, about younger men specifically, I don't know if Rose would like agree with that or have the same yeah. experience, but. No, I, I agree with that as well. And maybe it's just these select cases that stand out to me because I mm. find them exceptional and I'm like, oh yeah, way to be. But anecdotally, right. I think that younger men. Oh, are you eating a cookie again? Um, I think younger men are coming in for, um, for more problem-based visits um, when concerns start early. And then I think older generation of men, I'm still seeing some instances where they're like, well, my wife or my partner made me come in to, to talk about That's this it. with you. And I'm, and I'm like, well, I'm glad they did. Like, this is important. Yes, I think we should do something about this. So just for like clarities, you know, let's just say you had like someone who is, I don't know, like in their mid thirties and let's say they like felt, I don't know, a, a knot on one of their testicles at one point in their life. And they were like, oh, I'm sure it's no big deal. And then they were like, mm, I'm going to get on a plane. So I don't have time to address this. And then fast forward, like, I don't know, let's say a year later, and now that small knot has grown into some, you know, I don't know, let's just say maybe two by three centimeter mass. Um, and then they were like, mm, I can't ignore this anymore. Um, and then they go to the ER on a Sunday morning and then they're told that they have to, I mean, this is just like a totally theoretical sort of thing. Would that put me in the, or this individual in the um, older or younger generation here? My wife didn't tell me I had to go. Actually, I said when this finally, that, that is actually true. That's that I had a mass that was growing and I did ignore it. And I was like, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. And then for whatever reason, I literally, it was a Sunday morning and I woke my wife up and I was like, I have to go to see a doctor. She was like, great, we can go on Monday. And I was like, no, 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 no. I got to see a doctor and I got to see a doctor right now. And I don't know why all of a sudden it was like, I can't ignore this anymore. I guess. I don't know. Um, that's like the very short snippet version of, and I knew when I went in there exactly what he was going to tell me. Um, and I think that's probably why I didn't go. And I don't, please, I'm not advising that by any stretch of the imagination. But that whole, like, if you see something or feel something, go get it checked out. Like, because to be honest with you, I was, um, I was stage two um, cancer, um, which I always thought that all cancer got 
staged up to four because like i don't know you hear stage four turns out testicular cancer only stages up to three um so i was stage two um and i have to believe that if i had listened to my body the first time that i thought i should go see a doctor and not like that that it would have been a very a, a different i'm sure the end result would have likely been the same potentially potentially not because then um it had metastasized so i, I had it removed and then two years later um it, it came back but the reality of how that kind of works is that it had already on a cellular level you know moved um so yeah i'm a huge huge proponent for for that from a very personal experience the other part too um this is very very true i remember thinking one of the things that i rationalized in my head um why i didn't need to see a doctor was i'm too young for that to be cancer um and so um and and actually testicular cancer is more common in younger men yep Yep, that's exactly right. Um, I was actually on the old end of the spectrum for getting it. Um, so I can't stress this enough, that idea of when you feel something, say something. And, you know, Matt, I, we've talked about before you had an incident where Tuck hit you and you were very concerned and, you know, it turned out to be nothing. But but like we had conversations about it you were like i don't know what i like what do i do you know what's it you know we had some very real raw conversations around that sort of experience for you not to like sort of throw your own stuff out there but like i appreciated the dialogue that we had had between the two of us around it i, I think in having these conversations and hearing from from rose and maddie uh, hearing your expertise or hearing stories from someone like sean who lived through it um i had probably just like any other dad um taken a nice foot to the crotchal region that hit me in a unique space that really hurt worse than anything else i felt <laughs> and i didn't think anything of it but then standing at my desk i was feeling phantom pains or what i thought were phantom pains mm -hmm. in one side and so finally after a couple of days i was like sean how did it start for you? And had I not had someone to confide in and get their input, I would have just kept going. Now, of course, I just went through a gauntlet of tests to learn that all I did was take a, a foot up into the uh, <laughs> other area. I, I'm, I'm too dumb to remember, but it was epi, uh, epididymitis. Epididymitis, yeah. I called because it. I called it, but right. what I said was, this is what I think it is, but His you still caught need... me right in, in that area. Yeah. So anyway, you still need to I go have... to have it checked out just to make sure. Rightfully, even, even when you I would have done nothing if it weren't for having conversations with someone like Sean, or had I had someone to get advice from, like, like you two are saying, I probably would have just been like, I, it's probably from that one time that I was wrestling but instead it freaked the heck out of me. And, and for like a month, I thought I was dying. But you're not very, I think, I think I'm going to add to what you just said, because I think that's another really important thought, like thought that I just kind of realized with like the younger generation conversation we were just having a good, a part of that might be because guys are talking about this stuff more to each other. Right. Like Sean, you just shared your like whole experience, which, you know, is awesome of you to do. I mean, and, and, you know, 
kind of use what you learned and spread that like to others, like, Hey, please learn from this, like, you know, get this checked out. But you talking about that to other people probably makes them second guess, right? If they would experience something similar. Well, I know somebody who, you know, dealt with this and so on and so forth. And just like Matt, you know, what happened with your brother, you know, it, it makes it real. It really hits home. So I think that's something that um, is also maybe a generational change, like being even just mental health, you know, like Rose and I have talked a lot about that and, and being our generation has done a much better job about Hey, I need to see somebody for this, right? I, you know, it's it's be it's beyond this point where I can manage it on my own. It's affecting my day to day. You know, I we see a lot of patients in older generations that are still so hesitant to talk about that. Um, and again, even and that even ties into the family history, right? You guys have both had the conversations with your family members you want to know your history. You want to take that extra step. And again, a lot of that is not really something that a lot of our patients, again, older patients have had those conversations. You know, it's definitely a case by case basis, but, um, just what you were, when you were saying that it kind of like dawned on me, like, Oh, this is another thing that probably hugely plays into that. Yeah. True story. The whole reason that I did anything, um, was because a guy I went to high school with had one, like, I don't know at what point, I think he was, maybe he was just going through it or he had just finished, but he had testicular cancer and had posted about it on social media. And I was like, the first time I, when I first, you know, found it and stuff, I was like, no, that's, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. And I kind of like, but there was that nagging sort of thing in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that was because, uh, so like uh, in all honesty, I credit my like willingness to like really finally look into it because someone else was brave enough to talk about it and say like, exactly. this was what's going on with them. No, I'm not done. Oh, sorry. <laughs> And, and I'm glad you're we, not done because we got a couple more to go. We're, we're glad. <laughs> we're just and, bowing out here. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> so, Maddie, you actually brought up so, that's and that's all right. This is why we we also say that we're completely unscripted and it's unconventional. True. So this is perfect. Also, and, I want to point out that in our show line itself, it says that we, in fact, ourselves, not our guests, but ourselves, are mediocre at best. So you're fine. Oh gosh, you're you're great. And so, Maddie, you actually had brought up the next point uh, just briefly talking in terms of how men need to prioritize our, our mental health. And that's that's a that could be an episode in itself. Oh, I literally was thinking about that when I was looking over these points again today. And I was like, man, we could really hit hard on that. Um, yeah. But kind of piggybacking off of what I've already said, what we've kind of already said is, again, I think we are seeing more of that. I mean, at least I am. I I mean, I see at least two to three patients every single day for mental health. I mean, anxiety, depression, follow-up or you guys use, do you guys use like a PHQ nine and a GAD seven? Is that, we do that a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. A so, PH2-9 is actually considered a screening. If we go back to the screening conversation, you know, we do that. We, we do that automatically once a year. You know, if you're a patient that has no medical history and you're only coming once a year for your annual physical, you know, you get it done at least that much. Obviously we do it. So for those that are listening that don't know what a PHQ nine and a GAD seven, they're essentially, they are depression screening tools and anxiety screening tools, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Typically when you go in your provider, at least when I go, um, like it's on like a little, uh, like a whiteboard on like I just use a little dry erase marker. It's laminated. Um, here's the trick with all of that. Um, don't lie. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's literally yeah. truly that simple. Do not lie. Um, it can feel scary and all those sorts of things and tempting to just be like, mm, eh, no. And you circle the one that even though like an, and everybody has to know that feeling that I'm talking about where it's like, I'm not going to go there. You're not doing mm-hmm. anyone any good by lying right. about it. Because like the reality is, is that if you just keep trying to cover it up, you can cover it up in the doctor's office, but eventually you can't cover it up at home. You can't cover it up at work. Like it's coming out and this is yeah. your opportunity to like let it out and have a conversation and start a path to it not dominating your life. So as tempting as it may be to sit there and pretend like everything's fine, you'll get away with it in the doctor's office. There is no way that anyone is going to know the wiser. I'm not going to lie to you about that, but to what end? Like why? Just that's my sort of thing. And, you know, I I suppose I'm sensitive to that just because I'm a counselor, but that's the truth that, you know, you're are you really going to walk out and be like pat yourself on the back like hey good one we pulled one over on the healthcare provider today no because yeah. you can ignore it but just because you're ignoring it doesn't mean it's not a problem yeah and mental health and physical health are so intertwined too that once one yes. depreciates the other is automatically going to go down you know your gut is the second largest creator of serotonin and so that's why people who tend to suffer from anxiety or depression can have a lot of GI concerns um, because it's uh, turned into a physical problem. So we have to foster both because they, they rely on one another to balance. Is that also why I feel happy when I eat brownies though? Or is that- <laughs> that's the sugar. Oh, that's okay. your dopamine. No. That's hormone. sugar. Yeah. That's, that's sugar. It acts essentially <laughs> like a drug. Oh, okay, cool. It, it hits the opioid receptor. Yeah. Right. Right. They are very similar. <clears throat> this, the spit instructor in me is saying no, because do you know how many like minutes at a high intensity you would have to ride at just to work off that brownie. Uh, yeah, I yeah. know. I know. Have you ever I made ever, the mistake of reading an article of what it would take to burn off one M&M. And since then, every time I've touched an M&M, I've been don't, like, oh, I can't. Don't tell be- me. Don't yeah, tell me. I, I won't. I, I, won't. <laughs> I think I this is harming your mental health. We probably should just end that conversation <laughs> there. Yeah. No, but I. I Life's I, about I, balance, right? And and we need to find those things that, that do make us, you know, happy. And and allow us to, um, and I, I think this is a segue in, into your your fifth point. Find somewhere that allows us to to seek out where to draw the line between, you know, where we're going to keep pushing 
but where where it's going to keep us stressful, where is it going to keep us well balanced when it comes to work life, being a partner, mm. being a parent. And um, that's that's why yeah, maybe I'll forgo the M&M because I know what it takes to burn that off. But then I'm like, well, damn it, I'm going to do that Reese's peanut butter cup because that brings some true joy. Mm-hmm. And I know I know yes. that it's well worth taking one or two. Plus, if it's dark chocolate and peanut butter, it's like a it's like a protein bar. Well, and and actually, like what you said, I'm all jokes aside, like it's little things like that. So like we have a we have a little snack thing at work. Um, I'm very appreciative of it, but typically there is not chocolate in there. Typically it's like, like Starburst and just like things that like, I don't really, I don't personally, like, that's not my thing. And I just kind of made a commitment quite recent, not like recently isn't like several years, but like, I was like, I'm not, if it doesn't really truly bring me that much joy, then like, eh. So I'm trying to like cut back on like, just like mindless eating, if you will. And like, you can, it's actually really empowering to like walk away and be like, I didn't actually need that. Like, you know, small, but, but big win today. I'm going to take this. Mm-hmm. There was, there was mini cupcakes and there was full size cupcakes. And I was like, mm, I'm just going to have a mini cupcake. <laughs> it was a satisfying experience. And it was like, which it sounds so silly, but like, really it, it is as simple as like mm-hmm. little things like that. And I am full disclosure, not the, like, you know, I am not the picture of health. I'm not perfect at this by any means, but I am trying and all those sorts of things. But you know, life is about balance. And so like, if you really love M&Ms, Maddie, then you, you eat an M&M every once in a while, you go for it. You, you can eat, you eat one of the little mini tubes. I don't care. Right. But like, it is about a balance, right? For sure. Yes. And so what, what, what is that, that fifth and final point that you're bringing? I did a bad segue. You did. No, that was a great but, segue. But, no, but now I'm thinking perfect. about Reese's, which was yeah. not the point of, of anything that you were going to I'm literally staring at a bag of candy on my dining room table right now, and there are Reese's in it. After you said that, I was like, ah, that sounds better than an it, M&M it's for It's peanut sure. butter, so it's protein. That right. I had a Reese's today, actually. Um, that's I was just a little stressed out at work. That was my reasoning. Um, I was so going to say, I think the work, the work stress eating is definitely a personal flaw of mine. The candy, the candy bowl sitting out and you're just like, oh, I need this. You, the greatest thing I ever did. And then I'll, sh- I'll, I'll just shut my mouth and let you, <laughs> let you continue is I made Very sure ever. that at, at the side of my desk, I always have a gigantic Costco size container of mixed unsalted nuts. Mm. So at any point I'm hungry or I'm getting stressed, I literally just take it and just put, you know, and then yeah. slowly chew on the nuts just to really <laughs> give myself that that time. I to work really in a school. I work in a school. I could get arrested for having nuts in the school, man. That's like that is like the, <laughs> that's like worse than drugs. Like coming to school with a weapon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right and i don't care what you say sun butter is not the same as peanut butter and it is no. near as satisfying it is it's no. just not all right bring, are you ready for it. our fifth and final point yeah bring it on all right <laughs> how will the people like, ever know <laughs> we're building up the suspense 
Oh, this is going to feel like a letdown. Um, no. So the fifth <laughs> and final way that men can take charge of their health is to set boundaries and stick with them. So both professional and personal boundaries to protect you as a person for your physical and your mental health. So if an opportunity you know presents itself that you feel may impact, negatively impact either physical or mental health, um, feeling confident enough to say no. So this is perhaps aimed at more of the younger men, because as we know, when we start out in our careers and, um, and are in a new relationship, we can feel um, pressured to say yes to what we're asked to do. Um, and we would just like to remind everyone that a no in the moment that seems like it's inconvenient to others is a long-term yes win for your health. Oh, I like that. What I a like quote. that a lot. Yeah. You can put it on my headstone. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so true though, in, in terms of those boundaries. Um I'm I'm 14, 15 months into um an executive director role. And it was very hard to leave work at work and then be fully present not just for myself, but for our son, which wasn't fair, or for my wife, which wasn't fair. And I was going to bed thinking about what it was I needed to do the next day. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not indeed actually what I had to be doing the next day, let alone what I need to be doing right before bed. Yeah. And so I think that overall, that that's a fantastic um, thing to be thinking about. And, and, and for some, maybe even the hardest Yes. Yeah. To be doing. I do not have my work email on my phone. I refuse. I don't either. Yeah. That is a boundary thing for me because I know my personal type, like I don't want it to be on, like I will just, I'll, I'll constantly check it. I can access it, right? I, I can log in. Like even if I don't have my computer, I have a way of accessing it. But no, I, I don't have it on my phone. So that's my, that's my like one big boundary thing for work. Good for you. Kind of tying into the whole um, parenting aspect of the podcast too. I think Maddie and I both will agree that we got real good at setting boundaries when it came to returning to work after our first um, maternity leave. So when we became parents, it got a lot easier to say no and having no be a complete sentence in itself. Um, so we probably do a lot less on our to-do list these days, but because we have to prioritize what is meaningful um, for us professionally and personally. Um, so congratulations, you guys are meaningful enough. Um, but <laughs> we found that yes. the whole parenting aspect allowed mm-hmm. us to, uh, or empowered us to uh, learn this lesson. Yeah. In the pandemic as well, you know, I'll add to that um, without getting too deep or personal, but, um, you know, of course, working in the environment that we work in, seeing what we've seen um, and what our friends have seen, you know, we have a lot of, we were bedside nurses for a long time. Um, Rose worked in oncology and I worked in the ICU. So, um, you know, we have seen a lot. And then our friends are still working in those fields. So just with pandemic and seeing what we've seen, you know, and not being afraid to set those boundaries in that way for what's best for the health of us, the health of our kids, you know, 
both being pregnant during the pandemic multiple times now um, has its own challenges for sure. And so there's a lot of different ways in everyone's life, right, that we can learn to set those boundaries, um, work life, personal life, even if it means um, it affects some relationships. Um, but again, you know, prioritizing yourself and your well-being, your mental well-being and physical. Um, yeah, we've both learned a lot in that department. And it's been so nice that we've had each other to lean on and um, support through all of this. Um, but yeah, the boundaries thing has been for me personally, and not to speak for Rose, but I think she'd agree has been a big learning curve over the past three years or so, um, in more than one way. And, you know, that's why we added it to the list because it's important for everyone, you know, um, not just the pandemic and, and day-to-day life. I think there's probably an aspect of all of our lives where we could, we could stand to look at and say, you know, I could take a step back from this or I could, I could make this adjustment and be a much happier person for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the thing just really quick. And then I know, cause we're getting really close on time. The thing that I was going to say, I, you said like the setting boundaries, setting boundaries can be really a painful, like challenging thing. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly with like friends and family and, and just relationships in general. But the thing that it does is that it may feel in the, in the moment, the initial moments, it may feel really challenging. It may feel really difficult, but what you're actually doing is helping people understand in a really like obvious way, the way you want to be treated or the way that you want to interact or what your limits are and those sorts of things, which means that the next interaction, and in most cases, there is a next interaction. Most of the time when you set a boundary, there may be a little bit of a a cool off period as the person sort of readjusts and is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like there might be some hurt feelings, but there's all, you know, a lot of times there is a a second, the next interaction you have with them, they know that boundary or they think we're, or they may know that you've said it and then they're going to test to see if you really mean that. But eventually you're, you're leading yourself and, and the people you're engaging in relationship with to a happier, more comfortable relationship for everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. and putting you at the center of that. Um, and that's okay because you are in relationship with other people. Um, and so, you know, that was just like my quick sort of thing that boundary setting can be a really challenging, difficult thing, but no, in the long run, it often leads to a much happier, healthier relationship with the people you're, you know, engaging with. Yeah, that was really well said. I agree with that. And I think also it sometimes paints you or your relationship in a different light to that person. You know, I feel like a lot of times, you know, we let people take advantage of us or whatever. And so just even starting with that one boundary or that one, like, you know, no, I'm not going to do that this time or this year, or, you know, we're going to change this one thing kind of opens those doors and can be empowering and be like, you know what, that feels good. And, you know, hopefully people will not necessarily assume oh they're always going to do this or this is okay right so um just to kind of add to that but yeah i agree with everything you said that was really well said and very true if if someone wanted to learn more about you two 
or to 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 just learn more from both of you where where can they they find you um so, so you can find us uh in social media we're always like uh who's gonna talk first when there's two of us um uh social media uh we have an instagram page um two nps in a pod um facebook as well same name and then of course you can always email us if there's something you don't want to do on social media um two nps in a pod at gmail.com um it's just nps in a pod oh sorry i do that all the time gosh you really gotta get better about that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) this this is why there's two of us we balance each other out um yeah, I think those are, I mean, we do have a Twitter too, but that's not probably the best way to contact us. No. Uh, Twitter is falling look apart at it. as it's, we speak. It's dying. <laughs> RIP Twitter. Oh, Rory just said die. Yeah, uh, we're in the repeating phase, as I said. Yes. Before. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Rose and Maddie, for, for being on with us. Uh, thank you, Sean, for um, just another great episode. And, and thank, thank you, you for being you. Oh, stop. Aww. You're too kind. <laughs> and, and thank you to you for listening to us. However, wherever you are, please be sure to follow us on, on uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, which we're not really that active on. And of course, our active uh, MySpace page. Thriving. And feel free to feel free <laughs> to contact us uh, at the dadass podcast at gmail.com. I have that one memorized um, in terms of our email. <laughs> And uh, until next time, stay healthy, dadass.